Uh oh. <laughs> Man, we had 15 minutes with him. You had to ask goddamn 15 questions. I asked two questions. They were you knew you guys either pretty good questions and I cut off the questions. <laughs> yeah, there he goes. Yes, we are back again. Excited for more than one reason tonight. Hey, Corbs, we're we're uh, we're taking a hoops journey uh, on a journey, um, and because exactly. of COVID, because of COVID, we can't hop on a plane, so we're taking the bus all the way out to uh, Ontario um, to to chop it up with a guy who has a huge basketball resume, um, but is ten times a better human being. Um, giving back in his own community, a guy that I was able to connect with just for a little bit of time out here um, during his time at Simon Fraser and super thrilled that he was able to join us and, w- and wanted to be a part of what we're trying to do. So which is spread the word and share everyone's story about basketball. So we are beyond happy to welcome Steve Mega to the show. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Great yeah, to hear your no- voice again. You too, buddy. You know, we had some funny times back then and, uh, just looking back when, you know, you sent us your bio and everything and thinking about even just the U19 years and, you know, basketball is a funny thing. And um, I know we say it a lot on our podcast, but just how it connects people is, is so cool. How's everything going out, out there for you? Um, you're obviously, uh, you know, you're teaching at a high school just in the, you know, in the Hamilton district. And, and how's COVID been? You've got, is it two kids, correct? Yes. Yes. I have two girls, grade seven and grade yeah. four. Yeah, and so how how has the Mega family been, you know, handling all of it and, and surviving and, and doing what they can? Yeah, we've been doing good. I know uh, my wife and I are, are both teachers, so we're both lucky enough to be home with, with the girls. Oh, you're um, one of those families, you know, eh? Yeah, yes, yes. Don't hate on us too much now, but uh, the, the neighbors are looking at us funny, let me tell you, though. I, I can't get out there too too early cutting the lawn. Um, but yeah, the kids are, the kids are doing good. I mean, I am lucky to have two kind of, uh, academically keen kids. Um, they're both, uh, into the sports. Uh, my youngest, I coach, uh, with the Transway program, which is kind of a, um, a well-known girls program basketball here. And my wife who actually played uh, volleyball at McMaster, my older daughter plays uh, volleyball for her at, at a local club, but um, you know, our biggest challenge is really trying to get them off the online learning. I, I think uh, mm-hmm. as a teacher, I know kind of what the teacher's aspect or their point of view is. And sometimes they give more just in case. And I try to tell the kids, you know, enough's enough. Let's let's get out and be active and do that sort of thing. Yeah, that's interesting. I know, you, you know, you're doing PE and so am I. And that kind of um, that was our approach from a from a department's perspective was let's make for the next whatever eight nine weeks these kids let, let's do something so that they have no option other than to not be on a device right like that was our ultimate goal and we right. didn't care if it was sketching or listening to a pod or reading a book or walking or doing a really tough workout it was like close that thing and get away from it so nice to hear you know a fresh perspective and someone who kind of is on the same wavelength in terms of that because i know it can be a challenge um yeah, and how, you know, like how i think even like uh, just getting the kids, uh, you know, like uh, at school, I teach uh, a grade nine boys, a grade 10 girls fitness. And then um, 
a great 10 and 11 basketball class. So even just trying to get them active and outside, even if it's not in the particular subject area or sport that we're focusing on um, in school per se, you know, like, and I don't right. know what for you guys, you guys might've had a little milder weather, but you know, March break here could be, you could have some snow or some cold weather or it could be nice. So, even, yeah. you know, there was some challenges getting out in the beginning of this COVID thing towards the yeah. end of uh, the end of March. So we did have to be creative and try to get kids to use their time lapse to show us what they're doing and kind of shrink the time a bit. But it was interesting and really, you know, hopeful to see the creativity that the kids came up with. You know, it's kind of uh, people are often negative about the kids and their physical activity, how much screen mm. time and this and that. It's kind of nice to be a positive influence or see that positive uh, spin on what kids can do that um, is maybe not what society kind of labels them as. Such a good point. And, and just with uh, so cool to see, like you mentioned, just what they're able to come up with. Cause you're just, you know, sometimes we're in our forties and we think, you know, we kind of maybe are, have figured it all out. And then some of these teenagers just absolutely blow your minds with what they're able to do. Right. And, and just, the ability to not to get into too much teacher talk, as my wife would say, but just um, <laughs> if we just give the kids the opportunity, if we stop worrying about curriculum and forcing things, you know, into their brains and let them be, a, you know, accountable and part of their own learning, what they're really going to jump into. It was super. So there. Yeah, I, I agree. And the thing I've appreciated is all the guests that we've had have found a way to find a positive, which I think says a lot about sport itself and what it teaches you right is i haven't heard anyone come on here and be like well this sucks and it's been terrible they've all said well it is what it is and this is what my family did and this is what i did professionally you know so very cool things exactly i know um talking with a friend of mine who i played at mcmaster with charles kissy who coached at brock university for a bit and now is yep. with um the lead assistant with the 905 and uh, right. I listened to he's, he's been on a few of these uh, cross Canada clinics and podcasts and things like that. And he had a good point by just saying, like, if you come out of this COVID thing and you're the, whether you're the same person or you haven't come up with a new skill or a strategy or a new way of doing things or found something, um, you know, positive out of this, then I think you've kind of you've lost out because I think this is our chance to yeah. kind of re reanalyze what we're doing, how we're doing it and see if we can do things better or do something different. Yeah, totally. All about perspective. And A, what a great name, last name Kissy. That's amazing. And B, working <laughs> with JAMA. He's working with JAMA. Yes. Yes. There's a, yeah. there's a Canada West Ontario connection, right? JAMA, one of the greatest human beings I think um, you will ever come across. And so happy for all the success that he's had through, through basketball. That's cool. Yeah, it'd be interesting uh, to see what uh, we get him on an NBA bench soon, eh? Yeah, for sure. So let's jump right into it. Tell us a little bit about like young Steve. What's his family dynamic like? How does sports be start, start to become a part of his life? Um, and uh, right. when does the shifty little guard start to figure it all out? Yeah, well, I think I, like, I really just played uh, school basketball up until grade six. And then uh, started playing, you know, the rep basketball. Um, at that point. And that's kind of when I started to take it a little more serious. But, uh, you know, at that point in time, I was also playing uh, AAA hockey, AAA baseball, as well as um, the basketball. So it wasn't till about 
I guess grade 10 is when I decided to give up um, the AAA hockey. So that's when I kind of had to make the decision between uh, basketball um, and hockey, per se. The baseball, I could still play in the summers because, I mean, even back then, grade 6 to, I'm going to say, maybe even grade up to grade 10, you know, in the summertime, we would play for the two weeks at a summer basketball camp, and then we would do our alternate sport. For me, it was baseball. Some kids played soccer. But uh, but growing up back then, you know, I played those three sports outside of school. And in school, you played kind of everything if you were kind of the athletic type. But my dad was mm-hmm. a coach. He, he started uh, what was called Newman Youth Basketball, which was kind of like a Saturday morning uh, youth organization basketball club. And that's where yeah. I sort of picked up a ball. I can see pictures of myself at like three years old dribbling and, and, and doing mm-hmm. that. So I kind of was a coach's kid. Uh, growing yeah. up, my dad was uh, was was one of my coaches growing up, and e- even into the high school, uh, into the high school ranks, he um, mm-hmm. was a vice principal, but but uh, was an assistant coach with our with our senior team. Um, just to take the story from grade six to eight, and then you know you become somewhat of a, of a known basketball player in your community, playing on the rep team back then. Um, yeah. There was only really one rep team in the entire city where nowadays it's, you know, if you can pay, you can play and, and that sort of thing. There's umpteen levels of uh, basketball yeah. Ontario divisions and that, which is a great thing. More kids playing. It's, it's a positive. But, um, absolutely you know, back in the day when, you know, there was one team and <clears throat> 10 guys made the team and, and that was it. But I did have to make a decision going into grade nine. My, my father was the vice principal at uh, Cathedral Girls School. And Cathedral Boys School, which wasn't my home school, was kind of the basketball uh, hotbed, the basketball place to go. Coach Mark Walton, famous coach uh, in this area. He's now the female um, women's coach at the University of Guelph. Um, He was our high school coach and known across uh, the country, I would say, Ontario for sure, and all the states. My dad, you know, he said, listen, you know, you can choose to make basketball a thing or you can go to the local high school and play the sports but it, it's going to be a different environment. So I think at a yeah. young age, I was sort of forced to to make a decision about uh, how serious was I going to be about this. And by mm-hmm. then I had gone to the summer camps and, you know, uh, did well and that sort of thing. So, I mean, I was fortunate enough where my dad was in that point in time. If he wasn't at the girls' school and I couldn't get a ride there every day, I don't know uh, had I gone. But he, right. he was there. He was there, which allowed me to get there. The boys' school was essentially 200 meters from the girls' school. So um, that kind of uh, allowed me to kind of go down that that road. And when yeah. I look back in hindsight, if I didn't go down that road, I'm not sure if I would be um, where I was. Because like you had mentioned earlier in the podcast and that, it, I think we've all been fortunate enough to be around people of – um, like-minded interests and like-minded things. And you get involved with a group of kids, a group of guys, um, much of our rep team, there's a good chunk went to cathedral high school. So we had that bond and we had that connection of guys that, you know, we've been to battle with and we knew how, how to act on and off the court. We weren't going to do things too crazy and get into Mm -hmm. trouble, watch out for each other, you know? Um, so, I mean, that, that, uh, I think that that was the beginning, you know, getting to Cathedral and um, making that move, which I think yeah. for a kid, I mean, and I grew up in Stony Creek, which is like a small, smaller town, uh, part of Hamilton. Um, 
you know, leaving, you know, going outside where my friend group was going was a big deal. You know, it was difficult right. to walk yeah. into a more, a more inner city high school coming from a suburb and mm-hmm. uh, trying to fit in. And I really found, thank God for the basketball, you know, because, as, yeah. you know, we all know if you, if you can, if you can hoop, you can, you can hang, right. You can you find your, <laughs> find the guys and they respect you on that level, you know? Yeah. It's like an instant connection at least, right. They, they've got at least five, six guys that you play, you know, the first time you play three on three with, they're like, okay, all right. You know, and then you walk into That's the right. cafe lunch, you're like, come on over. Right. So yeah, for sure. Um, I can relate a little bit to that too, because yeah, when I was in grade 10 or grade nine, sorry, the coach that I wanted to play for, uh, he left, you know, the local high school that I was supposed to feed into. And, you know, I came home actually crying. I was like, I, you know, I've gone to coach chambers camps my whole entire life. Like what, this is who I wanted to play for. And, and so we sat down as a family and kind of made a similar decision. I had to take the bus and figure it out. But my parents were like, if this is what right. you want, here's what it's going to take, right? Like you've got to take the bus, we'll pick you up, but it's kind of on you, you know? So interesting to hear, you, you know, you went through the same thing, but 200 meters between the boys and girls, is that like enough to get into trouble or is that enough to keep the, to keep the trouble away? <laughs> well, I think it was both. I think my father being the vice principal at the girls school was, was more of a factor <laughs> to keep me out of trouble. But yeah. um, I think, I think maybe after a couple of years, he had, you know, how the administration, they move around quite a bit every three or five years. So at some point he went to different high school, but no, it was, it was a great, uh, great experience. I think anybody who's gone to an all boys or an all girls school uh, will tell you that certain things can only happen in, in those environments. And once you yeah. uh, have the co-ed types of school, then a lot of, you know, boys have to act differently and, and that sort of thing. And for the same reason, I'm sure there's a lot of conversations that can't happen, um, you know, in the other classroom too, but uh for sure. you know, it was a special time, and I think that set me up really, um, uh, you know, on a trajectory that uh, that you know otherwise I, I'm not sure that I would have uh, landed where I, where I have. So um, yeah, interesting. I, I think, like you're saying, I think it's tough, right, making a decision like that at, at a young age where you're still kind of molding in, figuring out who you are, and self esteem, and and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it's 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 interesting. Funny that we both. Uh, have that parallel. Yeah, for sure. Super interesting. Um, now, would you say where you're from, um, obviously you went to like a good basketball school, was, but was hockey the biggest sport or was it kind of even, you know, like when you kind of decided to get away from hockey, was there some pressure with that or you just felt in your heart like this is the right thing to do and I'm going for it? Uh, really, really, I think it came down to like my hockey coach, that my those coaches were trying to get me to to stay with hockey. They thought, yeah. you know, at my size, five, nine, uh, yeah. you know, how, how far could you possibly go with basketball here? You're, you know, you're a five ten, uh, strong, uh, defenseman play on the power play. You're, you know, kind of like the point guard from behind. Um, yeah. so, you know, it was interesting. I think I just had to go down to what I love the most. What did, what did I play, uh, the easiest? What did I, you know, working on your game wasn't a chore and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I kind of really just went with my gut, went with my heart and what I felt uh, uh, most comfortable with. And that, that was the leading fact in the, in that sense, it wasn't a hard decision at that time. I would think I'm probably kind of hinting at that for, for a season or so. So yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it was time. Yeah. Great answer. Young people that are listening, like regardless of what sport it is, you choose like, 
you know, and I'm sure you're the same at your camps, like follow your heart and you would like, man, it could be the piano. You know what I mean? If, if it doesn't feel like getting up and doing it is a whole bunch of work, then you're, you're making the right choice. So that's a, just a great answer. Thank you. How, how was the team in high school? So 10, 11, 12, um, did you guys have grade 13? Yes. So in, in grade nine, I played, um, you know, we played like junior varsity. So we have, uh, yeah. what would there be a, a junior varsity and a, and a senior varsity team and our junior varsity team, um, won the championship. And then in senior, um, grades 11 and 12 and 13, we had 13 back then um, yeah. in Ontario. Uh, we won the provincial championship in my grade 12 year. And okay. uh, we probably had five or six guys go on to post-secondary uh, basketball f- from that team. So, mm-hmm. and, and I would say, that, you know, Cathedral is, was a traditional power back then, and they still are now in our mm-hmm. league. And e- even in the province, they're um, consistently at, the, at that type of level. Grade yeah. 13 was my final year. Um, cheater. It's freaking so, cheater. Yeah, yeah. We got it to be a, a year older and a year wiser and more mature and stronger, right? But I love we the played model. you the summer of grade 12, right? Summer of grade 12 yeah. and 13, yeah. right? With the, yeah. with the Ontario Provincial team. We, yeah. um, we lost to BC in the finals in my um, grade 12 year. And then uh, we won in, in grade 13, I believe. You guys beat us in the semi in Brandon. Right. Right? You had so, Kwiatkowski and those guys, right? Uh, I think that was after me. Was it? I played, Yeah. Yeah, we lost the first year, and then won my my uh, my second year um, on that provincial team. And um, I was love talking with the people like we had Mavis on last episode, Andrew Mavis, and just the, yes, the, yeah. the great you, the U nineteen was it was awesome because as a call you know you're you're grade thirteen, but as a college age, like you finish your first year. And then it's like, well, how do I work? Oh, I get to play on this team and compete against and go to a nationals. Like it was such a good model to continue to play, you know, high level hoops, right? I loved it. And I was so sad when it, when it just didn't get going, keep going. And obviously, you know, models changed in the country and I get that and support it, but it was, mm-hmm. it was pretty cool to have that U19 because there were some teams that were like, holy smokes, you know? Oh yeah. And I think even just back then, like where you played up. So for, you know, when I was uh, 17, I played on the U19 team and, you know, learned to take your lumps and your bruises, playing against older guys and practice that entire summer. And then the following year, when now you're the older guy, an older statement, you have that, um, you know, bringing along the younger guys and showing them, how, showing them the ropes. And then, you know, you had a bit of tradition going on. But I get it. There's mm-hmm. way more kids playing and the talent level is just off the charts nowadays. So, I mean, for sure. maybe, maybe we Maybe we couldn't have that many teams back then. You know what I mean? You think yeah. of how many, what the talent level is nowadays. It's just, uh, I mean, in Canada, it's crazy. I, I can't wait to see where. It's just a shame about the national team stuff with this COVID thing and, and how it all uh, came down. Right? We were so pumped to have all the all the guys playing this year and. Yeah, you know, I was ready to sleep on my brother's floor in his house and go watch the games, right? Because it was supposed yeah. to be out in Victoria, and yeah, so. That's right. Um, so you guys have some success at the junior age and then, you know, senior varsity, how was the team? Yeah. Yeah. We were very good. So like I said, we won the provincial championships in my, in my uh, grade 12 year. And then mm. in uh, my grade 13 year, my last year, 
we lost uh, the game to get us into the provincial championship, lost to a very good team from, uh, from Oakville. But I mean, that, that, that's kind of where my, my connection to out West kind of begins because with um, playing on the provincial team, um, you know, people, you know, see a play and and you kind of get out there and the exposure. And that's where I first met uh, Jay Trano who ended up recruiting me to uh, Simon Frazier. And I was lucky to play for Jay uh, on the junior national team uh, on that U19, that U19 year. And that's where I kind of spent some time uh, with Jay and actually at SFU, that's where, uh, our training camp was held after Humber College. We spent some time out in Vancouver, actually, uh, oh, on no SFU's campus. Yeah, and then oh, um, Jay, yeah, yeah. So, so Jay recruited me out there at SFU. I remember coming out on a visit. Um, yeah. And then that funny, funny story I was telling you was so Jay took yeah. me, uh, he took me to a Vancouver Canucks game, which I thought was great. You know, I'm a hockey guy too and a basketball. Yeah. I go in and you know I think it's an over analysis where all of Ontario thinks it rains so much in BC where that wasn't really in my mind at all. Right. I was going out there having a great time meeting the guys and Jay's such a great guy. And we're coming out of the, the Vancouver Canuck game. And, and he says, you know, as we walk out, you know, they, they water down the concrete here to, you know, after we come out of the game every night for us, it's, it's, it's for our convenience. And he, he must've thought I was a little crazy little naive MAGA from uh, Ontario is looking at him like, Oh, Oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. He's like, no, I mean, you know, it rained, it rained, man. It rained. I said, Oh, that's okay. I'm not worried about that. Yeah. Right. Sure. Kind of shows maybe the naive, the naivete of, uh, of me back in there, back in the day there. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's where I met Jay. And then, um, and then, you know, I really enjoyed my time out there so much that it might've been within weeks or a month or something. I just said, Jay, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm coming. So I remember mm-hmm. he was down, might've been visiting his dad in Niagara Falls. And then he came and we did the whole signing in my, in my basement and that sort of thing. And it wasn't until the following summer, which when Jay got the community relations job with the, the newly formed Vancouver Grizzlies yeah. and uh, it was the summer of, my grade 13 year at University of Waterloo at the Nationals, where I met uh, Scott Clark, who was the incoming, going to be my head coach uh, for our first year at SFU. And uh, So is this this 95, 96? Yes. So this is going to be, so I entered SFU in 95. Okay. Um, Yeah. Right. Yeah. My student number started with a 95. That's how I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I remember these things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where I met Scotty. We, we got along well. He's real intense, gung ho guy, and you know he's had a great career and he's still doing great. Talk about because obviously I was you know I was I was playing at the college locally and was always up on the hill hanging with Tone and and Nove yeah. and everybody right. Like talk about like I'm not sure people really understand how good your guys' team was. <laughs> like. Yeah, like I always say that. Like people, when I went there, people, oh, like I, I tell people all the time, like when I name the guys, you're, you're talking like national team guys, right? Like everybody seemed to, to play their provincial team, national team in, in the summers. And I mean, I always equate it to people in Canada, like the CIU back then, U Sports, CIS. And I say like our conference was the top eight 
in all of uh, all of Canada. I felt like that's how I oh. that's how I would equate. It. You know, like when, when you like- go to the national tournament, our conference was like that every 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 night. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Like for a, no- for a freshman kid coming in um, and getting you know considerable amount of time, there was no better place for me to go for my first year for university. I mean. I mean, things could have played out and I could have stayed there and, and I think it would have been outstanding. And mm-hmm. as far as my basketball, you know, career and trajectory, I think it would have been, you know, I can't say any worse. That's definitely just as good. I, I would think, I mean, you're playing against top guys in the country in practice every day. And then you're going out and playing against teams that, you know, like they, that you're playing against men, right? Legit yeah, dudes. For sure. Yeah. Like I, and I just, yeah, that was, that was a really good team. And, and it was a, it was a, a testament, I think to Jay, right. Because that, those were still yeah. kind of his guys that he brought in. And it was just like, I think it said a lot about who he was and what he was like as a person, because he was very, you know, able to draw people in and very personable person. And, and to be able to get all that collection of guys together, you know, the obes is right. Um, yeah. The Rammers, like Rammer, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Brian, Brian Leonard, Pete Garacci, Lavelle yeah. yeah. Thomas, Steve Dinny, and then you got the Swedish, the Swedish connection, right? The, yeah. um, I mean, it was like it was. Uh, I mean, you, you, you couldn't beat it, and I, you're exactly right. It's a testament to who Jay is is now. I think you know, mm. good things happened to to good people, and I think the one thing we can all learn in sport, and I think Jay. Uh, teaches that all the time is that it's it's about building relationships and uh, I remember sitting around our junior national team so we're like 18 year olds and you know 18 year olds everybody's used to being the man and and doing this or that and he's got to try to put a team together and and you know the the, sitting down with a sports psychologist and and he basically said and I remember Jay stressing that it's like sometimes you just got to fake it till you make it you know like if if you don't (laughs) like this kid you're going to fake like you, you like them until you do like them. And because that's how we're going to get along and make this thing work. So I think that's the one thing Jay's, I mean, I think if you asked anybody who ever played for him, he's definitely a player's coach. And what does that mean? I think, I think he's been there and done that. He he's real. He tells it like it is. And then I think he really just cares about, you know, you as a person. And I think as coaches, as teachers, that's what it's all about. People who are, Mm -hmm. are most real, you know, kids see that, they buy into it, they feel it. And, uh, you know, you're more likely to go to war for somebody who you have a relationship with, you build rapport with, that you think's on your side, that you're on his side, that you care about. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Powerful stuff, man. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'd also love that you touched on, you know, just playing against older guys, you know, every person that you know, has had some like high level experience on like podcasts has talked about just playing against older men and women and just challenging themselves. And so, at, you know, SFU, tell us a bit, little bit about transitioning back to, to home. Like what, what was going through your mind? Was it yeah. homesickness, the basketball move? Were there different elements that, that, cause obviously in the end it, it was, a you know, you look at your um, transcript, like it was a pretty good choice for you. <laughs> right, and right. Sure yeah, he was sad to see you go, and no disrespect to SFU, but you know what? No. What was behind that that thought process for you? Yeah, like I can. I mean, I, I uh, 
I have never had anything bad to say about SFU, the guys, the coaching staff. Like I really take responsibility of it being, you know, all on me as far as just being for me at that point in time in my life, just kind of too far from home. It was uh, difficult for me for that. I don't think I'm um, ashamed to say now looking back, uh, you know, maybe I I could have dealt with some mental health issues. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's come to the forefront more so nowadays. And looking back at some of the things like that I went through, I'm thinking, you know what? It's probably, you know, some things, whether it's some anxiety or some mood and, and that sort of um, things that, you know, the coping mechanisms, uh, you know, I obviously didn't have. Um, yeah. As far as, uh, you know, and, and I love those guys. There, There's not a guy there that I didn't feel terrible for about kind of, kind of leaving them, right? Because basically, you, you know, you kind of bailed on your boys that you, you formed a relationship with. Um, so, you know, I like I've tried to keep in touch with, with those guys through social media now and, and make sure that, you know, they understand that, you know, I mean, I, I feel bad about leaving. I mean, like, like you said, like, did it turn out? Yeah, you know, it turned out, right? But, and I, I think the biggest compliment I can give is that I think it would have turned out just as well you know, had I stayed, I think if you right. look at a lot of guys that go out there, I mean, you love the area, you love uh, the city and, and the, the culture and, and the way of life and the, the temperature and the climate, you know. Um, yeah. So I think the, I'll tell you a personal story going, going out there. Mm-hmm. So the, it was in August when I came out and I actually stayed at uh, Novell's house um, and worked the SFU camp. And um, prior, so like we're talking days before me coming out, my high school coach's son, uh, who was a, you know, a good friend of mine, uh, was killed in a car accident. And yeah. um, my flight was days after this occurring. And, and I had to make a decision about, you know, am I going to go or am I going to stay for, you know, the funeral and, and uh, all the ceremony and the grieving process with that. And I talked with my coach and, you know, my parents and my friends and, you know, we all kind of felt was, you know, you know, the right thing is to do is, you know, Jeff would want you to carry on and and to go out and and do that. So I think looking Mm -hmm. back, even, even just getting out there right in the beginning, there were some, uh, you know, some things that I I had to deal with and go through and kind of struggle with. And uh, mm-hmm. like I said, you know, only now do you kind of look back in retrospect and have some perspective on, you know, how I reacted, what struggles I went through and uh, what all kind of was going on in my life mm-hmm. at, at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's interesting. I mean, I wouldn't uh, I, like I said, I would never change it for the world. If I could yeah. do it all over again, you know, I would definitely make the same same decisions that, uh, that yeah. I made as far as going there, you know, and, and, right. um, and, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, you know, I, I knew it was kind of, kind of time to, to make the change, but looking back, had I gone back for that second year, I think that then you would have figured it out. And I think it would have been, you know, smooth sailing from there, to be honest. Right. But you know some good takeaways, right? Like it's a, it's a you're young, it's a young age, right? Self admit, you yep. come from a small community, 
right? And I think as coaches, even just at ourselves, and now that you've been through that experience and you're a high school coach too, is and whether you're coaching college or men, women, university, to like check in with your guys. And that's not to say people didn't, but that's right. I think kind of during our time, you know, it was like if you said mental health, it was like, well, we're going to throw you in a straitjacket. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, you just even right? it wasn't even a topic back then. I don't. Yeah. Think, right. No. Well, you just, put your head down and do it. And whereas now it's like, all right, let's have that conversation. I think that's just a good, healthy reminder for, for coaches to just be, you know, present with their athletes and to check in. Right. So. Yeah. I think that's um, more, more, more important now than, than it ever is. Right. Especially with yeah. all the, you know, we teach high school. So you see all the, the technological demands on them, the social media, the pressures are coming from every which angle. Uh, they're being evaluated, judged at all times. Um, so it, I think it's now more than ever as far as checking in on your students, uh, checking in on your student athletes, making sure that, uh, and, you know, like they say, you know, check in on the ones that you think are, are most happy and, and most uh, mm-hmm. stable because oftentimes those are the ones that are just hiding at the best, I think. So, yeah, just putting on the best front. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks for sharing that story. That, that's good. I think that's an important one for a lot of people to hear. Um, took my question, man. And then, pardon you me? took my question. That's for that was for the end of the question pod. Was about that. <laughs> oh, stealing your material. I eh? know, and then just jumping on some sorry. segments here. Jeez. Well, sorry. <laughs> go back to sleep. It's the go back flow. to sleep. It's just the flow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got time to figure another one I out. I do. Um, and then did you have to sit a year out when you went back? Yeah. Or, so it, yeah okay. Another kind of a crazy story when you look, when I look back is so I had to, um, had to sit out, but going into that sitting out year. So that summer was the world university games, uh, taking place in, um, in Italy. And, uh, wow. so I make the team in, in end of July, we're getting ready to, you know, head to the World University Games, and I tear my ACL at Humber College days before leaving to uh, to go to the World University Games. So, in, in thinking back, you know, it's kind of uh, uh, you know ironic. Like you, you had the injury, you had a time to sit out, but um, actually, no, sorry, that was the the summer after. So, yes, you're right. I did have to. I sat out the full year uh, coming back to Mac. And the story I always tell people again, it was kind of another developmental. Uh, developmental year for me so you, you sit out you can't you can't yeah. play so you can practice yeah. your, your ass off um I, I play lunch ball at lunch with the with the volleyball guys and some football guys and the guys at university then i put on you know like the the, the red jerseys to play the other team um, <laughs> and talk to the guys now you know that that was the year you know the 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 bench loved it i was on on the bench team and yeah. we picked the starter's ass uh Every day. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that, that was a, uh, was a good time. And I, I can remember like that year was a huge developmental year for me in the sense that, you know, I yeah. got to practice almost do two a days. I remember I had uh, a notebook and I would keep uh, sit on the bench during games and just keep notes on all the guys that I was going to play against. Right. So the following year I knew everybody's tendencies, had a year to study them and kind of go after them uh, the following year as uh, as the book read so to speak right so it was a great year but so then the story continues it was that summer that tear the acl and uh before going to um 
uh, the World University Games. So, I mean, that that's tough coming back from uh, that ACL injury. I remember I had um, the, the surgery in August and the, the kind of the thing, if you ask, you know, I'm not a, I'm a humble guy. I don't like to say this, but I always, I was the fastest ACL recovery faster than, than Jerry Rice. I was ready to play at Halloween. So in three months, uh, I got back um, from the ACL injury. Now we held off. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we held off until Christmas where we went to Florida. To, we, we would go to Florida to train at Christmas and play some of the uh, Division II schools or whoever we could get games with. And I played that Christmas, that uh, wow. season. So played with the brace, of course, for a year. But, um, yeah. but that was kind of – you know, even to this day, I, try, I, I I'm able to help kids, you know, with that same injury, you know, people hear mm-hmm. of you know, me going through that and they just want to hear your story about, about how you did it. And mm-hmm. I had an aggressive surgeon and, you know, I, I, it really was my focus day in and day out was to strengthen that leg and to get back as, as quickly as possible. So, um, mm-hmm. that was the transition, um, back to McMaster. I think it's cool too. Like you're already, you know, a, you're already ahead of the game too mentally because like Corbs, like this, this guy's a savage. Like he's so soft spoken, but he's taking notes on dudes on the bench and he's like, I'm going to tear you a new one next year. Like with my blonde hair and blue eyes and I'm just going to shred, I'm just going to, I'm going to absolutely shred you apart. But like, there's something to be said for your, where your mental focus is at even before that injury. And then that injury happens. If someone is willing to like, scrimmage with some dudes at open gym and volleyball dudes and then try to kick the starters asses every day take notes they're definitely going to be able to rehab through acl and have that not be an end you know so um awesome that you're able to share that and and let people know that hey just because you have this injury doesn't mean that it's the end for you um and then just we could talk about your resume and the storied success you had at mcmaster what what were some of the highlights and what were some of the lowlights um you know, like player yeah, well, like, year, Canadians, yeah. you know, and, and, and don't, 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 you don't have to make the comment. Like I'm a humble guy. I think just how people can hear how you talk. It's pretty obvious. Right. But, and this, and this is the hard part. And this is the fun part is that um, people just don't genuinely like to talk about themselves because they feel like they're bragging, but you're trying to share your story so people can hear it. So if there's something that needs to be said, lay it on the table or, Hit him with the hit him with a Google link. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. No, but you can always say things. I think, and I tell kids this, you know, like you can say things in such a way that it doesn't have to come across like you're bragging or, or you know, kind of being condescending or things like that. Because I think that's important, sure. especially, especially I find like you teach high school. Like I, I hate this if a guy gets dropped in in a gym and the, the benches goes nuts and the guy can't make his six foot pull up or anything, right? Like shut up until the guy makes the shot. It doesn't, you know, get owed the the cheer until the ball goes in the net, for God's sakes. Pretend like you've been yeah. there before. You know what I'm saying? But um, uh-huh. Corbs, right? you ever heard me say act like you've been there before? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it's like my, right? It's like my go-to man, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that line too. But uh, yeah. Um, But, yeah, but, I mean, looking back at, you know, the highlights are obviously – you know, I think we're most proud of just, we were always top three in the country. So we're yeah. always in the discussion and always playing the top games. And, 
Um, we really kind of created a culture there where it was a, a, an outstanding community um, following. Our, the gyms were packed. It, we were on TV. I always tell people I, I, I truly think when we played in the, the late 90s, it was kind of the, the heyday of CIU sports and local uh, CIS mm-hmm. coverage and that I think nowadays I don't find, you know, because of social media, I really think that yeah. you can access games from everywhere. There's so many more games going on. Whereas back in the day, there was the game of the week on Saturday afternoons and everybody tuned in. If you weren't in the gym, you're in front of your TV watching it. And then there was an article in the local paper the next day and, you know, they hit rewind again on the Wednesday night. So I think that, yeah. you know, we were fortunate and, you know, we were fortunate to be good and uh we worked hard and we were so we were always in the in the national contention so i mean that was definitely the high the individual awards they come kind of as a you know as a reward for 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 being there right if you if you if you're good enough to get there then you're good enough to you know say that you know are you the one of the best in the country right you got to prove it on, on the court now i think the low the low lights are for us always and when we get together you know, a bunch of us are going to go golfing Thursday and the conversation will come up for sure is that we never got it done on the national tournament. You yeah. Know, we, uh, we went there every year. I played at Mac. We were in the national tournament. Um, if we didn't get to the semis or the finals, it was odd. Right. But we were never um, able to, to win that national championship. I think that's, um, that's the one thing that obviously stands out. Um, that's kind of missing from, from our times there at McMaster. But, um, yeah. you know, as they say, you know, shit happens and, uh, yeah. you know, you got to roll with it. Do you learn a lot? Yeah, I think so. Cause I think all the awards that I, that I achieved or that I was, um, awarded and all the success our teams had, you know, sometimes I think the winning hides or winning hides everything. Right. And you lose mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you start analyzing. So, mm-hmm. you know, you think you look at my resume and you think, okay, all these, but you know what? You know, I think I could have did better, and I think I could have done more. I think maybe the mental side of things, um, and the, you know how how you got there. Did was our style of pace um, conducive to the quarter court? That's going to come down in a championship game to bang out. You know, you got to run, pound it inside, or get a, a big rebound, or get that double team in the post to then kick out and one reversal to the open three. You know, I think you know it, it begs the question of. Uh, of that sort of stuff too, um, which I think, you know, it's healthy, right? So I think if any Absolutely. of the, uh, one of the things that I've learned is I think a good entrepreneur and a good, good athlete or anybody who wants to be great at thing is paranoia, right? You got to be paranoid that someone else is going to come and take your job, take your money, take your client, take your, you know, position on the team or your spot on that stage. And you got to fight every day to, to maintain that. And I think that's kind of the obsession that a lot of people maybe don't understand, but that's mm-hmm. what kind of makes people who are really, really successful over a long period of time. I think that's, uh, that's, that's part of the magic, I think. Yeah. Wow. Great answer. Smokes. Um, what did you think of, like, I, I, you know, obviously would have been fun to clash in the final, um, 2001, but you know, we both yeah, lost the same yeah. event, so we'll move yeah. on from there, but, um, yeah. They were good. I remember. They were good. Yeah, right? I remember you know, that game. Had him on, right? A few, yeah, few podcasts yep. ago, right? Yeah, 
And I remember too, like going to the locker room to get ready and thinking like Max got this and then like walking out and being like, what? But also trying to be like, okay, we got a game to play too against Western yeah. who's really yeah. good too, right? So um, what do you think of the whole Halifax experience? Like I personally oh, just I, was, Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I think I'm going to say, you. I, I mean, I just loved it. I think, uh, you know, leaving, we always thought they had such a great, advantage right i mean we lost to st mary's we lost to st effects so i think i can say that with some uh with some mm -hmm. you know proof but i mean <laughs> i think it was i think it was a perfect spot for it because it was it was bigger than life right there and uh, as an athlete participating you felt bigger than life you felt big time and i think um you know that ha has to happen more in canada especially nowadays mm -hmm. with the pressures of uh the glamour and glitz elsewhere that I think we've got the glamour and glitz type of athletes now and talent. And we just need yeah. to follow it up with, um, I think the financial support and, um, you know, the, the spectator sport, right. Which, which kind of comes hand in hand one or the other, but I, uh, yeah, like it, it was great. I'm excited to see it move around though, too. Like, I think that's, yeah, uh, you know, then you can have the kind of a competition, right. Okay. Hell if I, we all know how Halifax does it. So it's going to move out to Quebec or Vancouver. You know, you guys got to match it. Otherwise, it's going to be really obvious that it's not as great as, you know, Halifax, kind of the original, the OG, so to speak, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was uh, when it came out to UBC, um, me and a buddy that played at Langara with me from Edmonton, he flew out for the weekend. We rented like a little, uh, we rented like a resident suite on campus and it was yeah. awesome. Like I mean, for hoop heads, like it was, but then they only did it one year. Right. And I was like, right. do it two years because you can't, you can't build and grow from what you've learned from your first year. Right. So right. that was kind of like, you know, but, and I think it was well received and, and the crowds were good and it was a great venue, but you're right. It's kind of like a challenge. Like, let's see what you got and what can you make of it and, and prove to us that, you know, Halifax isn't the, the destination, but I'm the same. I, that was, you know, you walk down the tunnel to the games and you get there oh, and the Metro center. And yeah, like, like you said, we played St. Mary's and St. of X in the same year. So two out of our three games were kind of semi local teams. And yeah. obviously but it's awesome. Crowd. right? Place is packed. Oh. It's legit. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, one of the things I want to touch on too is, you know, when you look at your resume is, pretty much every team you played for, you were a captain. So what is it at a young age or who were the mentors or why do you feel like you were chosen to be a captain and, and what were the qualities inside of you um, that, you know, like it was interesting talking with Andrew in our last um, uh, podcast because, you know, he made the national team, right? And, and, and made that Olympic team, but made the team that qualified and then was kind of on edge the whole time about, I, I still want to, I still want to qualify and make this Olympic team. Right. Um, and he was really worried about not being able to, to still make it, but Jay being the coach and a culture guy, he was, you know, like, Hey, maybe, maybe someone was better, but just his personality. So what do you think it was within you other than your work ethic, which is clear just by how you speak yeah. that, you know, you just got after it and guys followed, but what were other things that you tried to focus on that where someone would say, you know what, that's who I want to be our captain. Yeah. Like I, I would agree. I think at first it's got to come with the work ethic. I think, you know, if you're going to, people are going to listen to you, then they got to believe in you and believe that you're working just as hard, if not harder than them all the time. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, I, and I think, and that, and then after that, I think you got to have some sort of intangible. I mean, some guys can do it, you know, kind of without talking it through. Sometimes, you know, you have leaders by ac- action. I would say Titus Channer, who kind of came a year or two before me at McMaster, played on that Olympic team. Gotcha. You know, he, you know, he's a he's maybe the best player that I've ever played with. He kind of yeah. did it more with his action and less with his with his words. But I mean, I think. I think I was able to, and for whatever reason, because um, I would think I've, I'm very shy off the court, but I think there's mm-hmm. some sort of, there's, there's, a, there's a level of confidence that comes with your expertise and the work that you've put in. So if you believe that you've put in the work and you believe that you have the expertise to speak up, then I think you become more willing to do that, even if you're shy and, you know, that sort of thing off, off the court. And mm-hmm. I always tell, you know, my players and even my students, the guys who talk, they know their stuff because otherwise they wouldn't be confident enough to speak, right? Because you're going to really look like a fool if you say something and you know what the hell you're talking about. So yeah. you often you often get listened to when you speak up, if you're right and you put in the hard work. So I think that, you know, I think that uh, I really looking back, I just think it was a bit of a testament to your will to, to win. So if you have that, then you're going to do what it takes and overcome any obstacles or challenges you may have as an individual being shy or maybe not, you know, overtly being able to speak and tell guys to get to spots and and do that sort of thing. But then Mm -hmm. I think, you know, at some point it's, it's got to come out. And I think being a point guard, it makes it a little more natural. You're already kind of setting up the play, telling guys what defense we're going to run. You're, you know, you do have a role as a bit of a coach on the floor. Coach tends to talk to you. So I think in that sense, it, you know, it becomes a little inherent, but um, mm-hmm. I definitely think the work ethic, and then you got to know your stuff, and then it's got to come out. You know, you gotta you gotta speak, and I do think it, it can be a learned skill. You know, speaking with young point guards nowadays, whether they be high school or university, I think you know you know they, they kind of ask, well, what should I say? Well, that's a good question, right? So you can start to talk to them about you know what types of things should they be saying. Because often they're, maybe they're just not thinking about it, right? Like, oh, I, I should right. say that? You know, yeah, you should tell Johnny to get get to the block because that's where the post-up is and the mismatch because some guys don't see it. And you, as a point mm-hmm. guard or as a leader, you got to see the game through your coach's eyes and kind of make uh, what your coach is thinking come to fruition on the basketball court. It's funny I you bring that up. Like uh, we had a kid this year, our point guard, our senior – He's played was our point guard in grade 10 and, and, you know, like we, we would only pull a kid up in grade 10 if you, obviously they're going to be a starter or a six man kind of thing. Right. And uh, just like spent two years when he had other guys around him and this year we were expecting him to be our guy. And then when I sat down and chatted with him mid season, I was like, same thing. Like, Oh, I can actually say that. Oh, I can see yeah. that there. Yeah. You know, you're just like things that maybe you overlook as a coach you're just assuming because, oh, well, I saw that when I played or in my previous coaching experience, like, you must be seeing that too, you know? Right. And I think that's the, that's the challenge as a coach, right? Because often as a coach who, who has played, we're coming through that lens of a, of a player who kind of got it as far as, you know, seeing what the coach is thinking and, and seeing kind of where the game should be played at. And oftentimes, you know, I'm working with um, – a young kid who's going to Algoma University and through the COVID he said, well, what Mm -hmm. if we just sit down and do some uh, video sessions, right? We can connect through zoom. We can share a screen, watch some video that my coach is sending me about the offense that we're going to run and that, and that sort of thing, you know, and, and 
talking with them, you know, oftentimes, you know, we can't, we can't take for granted what, um, what kind of players are thinking or what they don't kind of understand yet. Right. Cause they're not there. We forget their, you know, they, their experiences may not be um, like ours and they're trying to get to where we were and we've got to try to uh, mend those bridges and try to fill in the gaps uh, where they are to try to teach them the way. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Those kids are there. They may not say it, but they'll be thankful for you one day. <laughs> yeah, one day. Yeah, <laughs> when they're old farts like us talking on the yeah. podcast. Yeah, that's right. Hard to believe, hard to believe it's been like twenty years, right? Like, yeah, you know, when, I know. When you we were, we were, we were in college or university, like twenty years. Yeah, I try, I try to like not think about it like that, but you're absolutely right. As like, I see a picture of myself on a wall, and I'm like. Can I have that body back? But yeah. <laughs> and that hairline, that hairline and hair color. Hey, shut up, Corbs. I hear you laughing. <laughs> yeah, why is he laughing? I don't know. Because he'll get there one day. Uh, before we move on to the most important part of the podcast, I just want to touch on like for you, you know, obviously playing for Canada and everything, but how, how did it feel? How did it feel to, um, be inducted into the Mac hall of fame? Like that's a huge thing, you know, from, from a personal standpoint, kind of your local area, local university, it must've been such a, just a great feeling and honor. Right. Yeah. Like it, that was, uh, I mean, playing for Canada, I think was, was the, the, the pinnacle for me. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. growing up, I, I remember, um, just always wanting to play for, for the country, for the national team. Although I didn't ever play for the senior national team per se, I still kind of like to feel a part of that, that family and part of that, uh, that occurrence. I think anytime you can wear your country across your chest, hear the anthem, uh, go to different countries and represent yours um, and see the world through basketball. I think that's such a, such an amazing thing that I'm uh, extremely proud of. It may be the most uh, proud uh, thing Mm -hmm. that that I've accomplished. I think, I mean, I really wear my jerseys. We were able to keep ours the last year we played. They uh, were getting new ones. This was before Nike, um, obviously, but they were champions and champions has come full circle now. So so Funny, it's right? Good. It's unbelievable. Eh? It's unbelievable. Champion was in Costco. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. So, anyways, but it, I mean, getting to the Hall of Fame, I think that's when you stop playing basketball because at that point I was uh, doing my MBA and decided to stop playing basketball. And uh, since then, I went to teachers' college, and both my kids were able to be at the at the ceremony along with my wife and my parents and my family. So nice. I think for, for my kids to see it, it's kind of neat. They kind of, um, you know, think dad is, is something big and special, which I think every, uh, every dad should, should feel that way. Um, yeah. But it is something that I think when you look back and, you know, you think about, uh, you know, people going to the gym and seeing your picture up there, you know, it's going to be up there forever. And that's something that, you know, solidifies all the hard work and the, the sacrifices and dedications and the, the nights in as opposed to going out that uh, I thought were worth it. And, and in the end, looking back, I think when you put your whole heart and body and mind into something and um, and you reap those rewards, I think all the sacrifices uh, looking back are, 
are, are, are more than more than worth it. Wicked. Good answer. Corbs, any questions for Mr. Mega before we go to the lightning round on him? Yeah, I mean, uh, so I just, you know, doing my research for the pod and you were on uh, Coach's Calls Timeout podcast in 2016 and and then you talked about, uh, you know, your coaching influences. Like you have your buddy from No Limit Performance. Yep. You talked about Gannon Baker a little bit, Chris yep. Oliver, yep. right? And you have, you know, Jay Triano, Scott, yep. Scott uh, Clark there, right? And it's all these great coaching influences on you but how has fatherhood taught you about you know yourself and in coaching and how has that changed you know your approach right. you know with kids yeah I think that's a great question i think uh well you're getting trying to steal the limelight man yeah <laughs> how are you gonna have the question of the night on my head yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow how, how old is corbin by the way 25 yes yeah, so for a young guy he's asking quite a mature question here Mitchell. yeah right but I, and I think what it does is I think uh, I can remember when I first started coaching high school and I coached the girls and the boys and it was my first time uh, coaching girls. And I remember um, a parent taking me aside and saying, and not, not to be condescending to, to girls basketball, she was just telling me, you know, girls respond differently than, than, than guys do. And um, I don't know if I really understood that until I, I had my own kids and even you know, take the gender card right out. I think kids respond differently. And until you kind of have your own kids and kind of see what they're going through and see their perspective at that age, and you kind of feel a little closer to that, that person because they're your child and you kind of really feel what they're feeling. And I think it has changed my perspective on how I would go after kids or go after my players and kind of, you know, you don't always have to go at them super hard at, on one level, but you build that rapport and build that trust. And I think having kids does soften you up a bit if, if that's, you know, uh, um, the right term or not, I'm not sure, but I think it just gives you perspective on uh, maybe the, right. the whole person because you see your kid as the whole person, right? You don't just see the kid at practice. I see the kid, you know, what went in, what did she do before practice, during practice, after, what kind of school day did she have? Whereas if it's not your kid, you know, sometimes you, you, you miss that point, right? Right, right. That's yeah, I love that answer. Yeah. Answer or what? I mean. Yo, absolutely. That was a good, I, I yeah. you know, I've only coached boys and I haven't, you know, like, it's, I've only had one perspective of, of coaching, right? So just, you know, right. hearing, hearing that is and important. And if I want to be. The other perspective, Corbin, is, is the age difference. So. Right. So I've always coached you know, high school kids and even like, you know, the upper level of high school kids. So now this year, the last two years, I'm helping out um, my daughter who's U10, her Transway club club team. And you're talking a whole different can of worms with that, right? Like you're talking, <laughs> like, honestly, it, it kind of changes your perspective in the sense, how can we make this fun? Because they really don't care that much at this age about being great or doing that. They want to have fun. So how can you kind of tweak the fun but still have them work their butts off. They could, you know, com competition can still be fun. And, you know, as you know, Dave smart and, and, you know, the geniuses of the game say, we just have to redefine your fun, right? Redefine it and fun and hard work don't have to be in, you know, completely separate, right? They can be interdependent. And, and so it's interesting. It challenges your creativity as the younger kids to how do you spark that competitive edge, but still be at fun. 
how to spark that desire and hunger to get better, but still be fun. So, I mean, that's, it's, uh, every age, every, every team definitely has its challenges. I think I would agree. And that also is kind of the same as you go from talent level, you know, guys who are going, you know, probably going to play U sport or move on to the post-secondary level versus the 13th, 14th guy who just happy to be there on the high school team, right? Right, exactly. So you do have to kind of angle how you approach every kid. And, and I'm a firm believer and that's what the best coaches are able to do is find an approach and how to, um, you know, really get to each specific child or, or student athlete and, and that's our job, right, is to bring out the best, help them reach their full potential. And we can't treat each kid the exact same way because, you know, they're reaching their potential, a different potential in a different way all the time. So, I mean, that, that's the daily challenge, right? And, and at a younger age, it becomes even more difficult. You know, as you get more competitive, like if you listen to Dave Smart uh, just uh, had his thing, and, it, you know, it's competition. And if you don't like it, get the hell out of here, right? Well, in youth mm-hmm. sport, it, it's not quite at that at that level yet right so there are definitely challenges at the youth level that people at a real high competitive level don't have to really uh take into consideration if you will yeah and then i'll i'm going to piggyback on this because i love this stuff then you know for a young guy like corbin and that's not to say that i've got it all figured out or you do either but like how do you connect with those kids like what is it that's that allows you to have that relationship i just i'm leading you into this but yeah, I, I just yeah, want to hear yeah. what your answer is right because you can't and I agree the the coaches that I disliked the most were the ones who treated 1 through 12 the exact same it was like right we're all different human beings we have different backgrounds you know so yeah, curious be. for you and your approach with your high school kids how do you get to a point where you know they do trust you and you can have certain conversations yeah. I think you have to you know invest time um, and effort into each kid I think if the kid believes that you're trying to make them better on and off the court, I think that they're going to believe in what you say and what you're preaching and kind of what you're teaching. Um, and I think honesty is a, is a big thing too. Like, listen, Mitchell, you know, I know Corbin, he's not going to respond to this, right? Mm-hmm. He's not going to shoot the three. I don't know if Corbin can shoot the three or not, but you're going to say, I don't <clears> know if <throat> Corbin can shoot the three. So does he really want the ball there? He doesn't want the ball there. And in some instances, I may say, Corbin, where's the most comfortable shot that, you know, for you to take? And if Corbin's going to be honest, then he's going to say, yeah, you know, the elbow to wing jumper. You know, I want to attack the hoop. So see, Mitch, he doesn't want the ball there, right? So Mm. stop stop giving him the ball. I think being real, um, and by no means have I figured this out. I mean, that's that's, that's the truth. But um, I just think as far as, you know, how – players have responded, I think, you know, will they give a hundred percent effort? I think that's the, the bigger compliment. I think as coaches, we can get whether or not uh, we win or lose, do we get full effort out of our kids? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's, you know, maybe the biggest compliment you can get because otherwise talent and skill level and, and all the rest can come into play. But effort, I think speaks to, speaks to the kids buy-in about what the coaches is, is trying to get out of his players. For sure. Great answer. Thank you. I mean, we talk about young, young girls, like I was, yeah. you know, the U10, you know, then you're talking a complete, and I think sometimes you have to be, you know, you have to be playful, uh, you know, amongst uh, the competition, right? Like you can't uh, be serious and crazy all the time because they just thought not buying it. You got to find the, what, uh, what brought them to the game and make sure that that is never lost 
in the in the competition. For sure. Right. Yeah. I have another follow up question, kind of oh, along. I don't. <laughs> in in the kind of the same vein. I, Mitch is you know this is right in our wheelhouse here. Is this that uh, you know. As I remember, again, I as a you know fifteen, sixteen year old kid, like I didn't really care too much about my academics, and and you know I'm looking at your bio. You won the 2000 TSN award, you know, uh, excellence in mm-hmm. academics and athletics, right? And you know how has that experience? You know how do you you know get kids to buy into? Yeah, yeah, you know what, math nine kind of sucks right now, but you gotta you gotta grind through it. Or right. socials eleven, or right. you know, or especially you know grade twelve year, and people are already uh, packing it in, right? So yeah, that's right. I think uh, yeah, like looking back on on those awards that I was able able to get, I mean, people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not sure if there's been anyone to win both that TSN and uh, the Moser Award in their career. So I think. Uh, I, I'm proud of that in the sense that, you know, I'd like to think of myself as a well-rounded student athlete at that university level where I was able to be an all Canadian, but still uh, contribute to the community, um, be very good academically and getting my stuff done. And I think, you know, it's time management. And to me, it was always towards a bigger goal. So, you know, grade nine math sucks right now. But I want to play university basketball, which means I need to get into uh, certain universities or colleges. And that's going to motivate me to do the best I can possibly do. So for me, that's that's what I kind of stress right. to kids is what's the bigger goal? And we've got to knock these things off on a daily basis in order to to, to achieve that bigger goal. All right, we're going to move into the most important part of the podcast. Obviously, uh, Steve's journey is amazing and all, but we need to hear the inner details of, uh, you know, some of his most important things in his life. Well, that's not true. Maybe the podcast's most important things. So <laughs> right off the bat, my man, tell us about what your thoughts are with uh, ketchup on macaroni. I've always said, you know, like uh, I can remember elementary school, craft dinner, always ketchup on uh, my macaroni. Now, as I aged, I would never do it. And I don't think I let my kids do it, but uh, for growing up, catch up what it was for me. It's funny what our parents let us do, right? Like think about those. Uh, oh, yeah. Do you remember having the frozen Minute Maid jar on your counter, waiting oh. for it to thaw and then mixing it up and then just realizing that that is just pure sugar? Like- <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> less, of a, less of a concentration of, uh, you know, health-wise back then, that's for sure. We have yeah, no excuse. Parents- yeah. Our parents were probably like, you know what? Put as much ketchup on your macaroni as long as you eat it. That's so, right. I know you got a couple girls. So uh, when you're rolling on the way to basketball or work, you know, what's what's uh, spinning in the car? Do you, does dad get to choose the music or does he give in and let let the girls pick? Well, when the girls do pick, we, we have the, the Sirius satellites. So they get hits, hits one, of course, channel number one. But sometimes I have to bring it back old school for them. So I make them tune in to channel 42, which is little LL Cool J, um, Rock the Bells. And, you know, sometimes it's uh, the joint little hip hop and, and reggae mix to make sure they get yes. in a wide variety of uh, musical interests, right? Love it. Yeah. We had the uh, we had the serious, but like my commute to work is nine minutes. So I just right. like, yeah. I, can't, I can't pay for this. But yeah, I remember listening to Shade 45, all those stations, man. Awesome. It. 
yeah, you got to bring them back, right? Like you can't just let them well, listen like to all their stuff. Kind of, you got to be like, right. When music was music, yeah. right. Less, uh, less yeah. technology involved in it. Now it's like a computerized, uh, computerized presentation versus actual music. I think. Yeah. I tweeted something out last week. Uh, there's a DJ from Halifax scratch Bastard, and he was doing like a, a spinning contest. Um, he's got the vinyl out, right. And it's like kind of, yeah. you have to challenge him back. And I just basically tweeted like, all the young kids are wondering what this guy's doing. Like, where's his, where's his MacBook Pro that he's, <laughs> you know, is putting his music out on? Exactly. Anybody who responded, they had to have been at least 40 or over, right? <laughs> Absolutely. hundred percent. But you know what? There's a couple of guys that, uh, that you follow on uh, Instagram and they're like live DJs um, and they've been bringing it back. So it's been nice to see. I know it's bad. It's been great. Ninth Wonder and uh, Jay Period. Those guys have been, yeah. Spinning the old stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. Nice. All right, little deeper question for you: Who's the greatest player you've played against, or um, you know, maybe probably not coached, but yeah, you've yeah. played at a really high level. So who who is someone that's been like, whoa, that's yeah. When I'm talking about uh, when I talk to kids at camps and things like that, or even my own kids, and thinking back, like I always think some of the American teams. Uh, Tim Duncan obviously played some some teams with that he was he was on as well as Stefan Marbury so like I personally had to go up against them and try to guard him and he was just unbelievable his explosion at his I was gonna say how time. shifty was he oh, oh he, he was unguardable I can remember because he had that kind of left that right to left sort of carry cross oh, too, yeah. right so you throw that and it's like okay good right. luck and, and they allow him to carry the ball and he's the best athlete <laughs> on the floor. So, I mean, put those two together and he's completely unguardable. I can remember bringing up the ball in the first couple of possessions and, he, and he's yelling at me, I'm going to take your cookies, bud. I'm going to take your cookies, boy. I'm going to take your cookies. Uh, yeah. Great memories. And then the other memory is uh, Tim Duncan. Um, Todd McCullough is going up, who played for Philly in the NBA Finals. He's going up for a defensive rebound. And Tim Duncan goes up behind him, rips it out of his hands in the air, and bangs it right back uh, – back on them. I mean, that, that's pretty, uh, that was pretty impressive to see and, uh, to witness. They had some tough teams. I mean, we didn't, we didn't get very close back then to those guys, which is nice to see nowadays that, that we're winning these tournaments, right? Not only America's, but you know, the world championships, um, I think yeah, that was, that was awesome. whatever it was a couple of years ago. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. That was cool. When Times are changing. Yeah, for sure. I could only imagine trying to keep in front of Stefan Marbury though. Good Lord. Oh, and then, so then tie that into who's your, who do you think is the greatest player of all time? And and then maybe as a young kid growing up, if it's not the same person, like right. for me, it's two different people. Like yeah. Who was your, who is your idol as a basketball player? Yeah. I mean, I always uh, loved Michael Jordan. So I grew up on uh, the nineties bulls. I, I don't recall him really at North Carolina. I don't think I followed college basketball as much as I do, you know, now, or even slightly after that time period, like in the eighties, I guess. But uh, for sure, Michael Jordan, he's the GOAT for me. The Last Dance was epic, bringing me back in more ways than one with the music, mm -hmm. uh, the social, the news stories at the time, the clothing. It was just unbelievable. Um, when I bring it back to, you know, present day, I, I do think evolution has changed the game and, and the guys playing the game now are so much superior athletes than they were even 10 years ago. So as much as I am, uh, you know, like a loyal you know, old school kind of guy, generational guy. I do think that guys like LeBron, even Steve Nash, um, you know, we got to love Steve Nash, but um, like LeBron James, um, Kevin Durant, even coming up and even the, the younger guys. I, I mean, as hard as it is to believe, I'm sure there's going to be guys 
that are more dominant than LeBron? Can, can, is that possible? Is it plausible even to think about it? I, I, I think it is. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, but I have a WhatsApp chat with a bunch of younger guys from 2012 from Corbin's year and there. Right. We always talk about this, right? And I obviously am stubborn in my Jordan. Yeah. But like just talking about what is the ceiling going to be athletically? Like who's who's the next one? I mean, you look at Zion already, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. what's what's it does it when does it when does the ceiling happen and does it does it happen? You know? And does it and the other thing I, I think that sometimes we forget in you know our generation or younger is like if you look at even the body type and the athleticism and the skill of Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell, I think yeah. you know, you get some older guys that argue that those guys could hang, you know, with their next generation, the Jordan generation, the bird and magic, just like we're trying to say, you know, Jordan would dominate in this LeBron type of era. So, I mean, I think right. it may be even more impressive to look at, like when I see pictures and videos of, of Wilt and Bill Russell and then, you know, Michael Jordan and then these guys now, like they're not that far off. Right. And that, that was generations ago, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. A good point about Jordan too. Like, and just, uh, I love the last dance as well. And I was listening to a podcast and they were talking, I think it was Rex Chapman was basically saying like in his time, there were three people in the world that were like kind of global sort of icons that basically if they went to the mall, you had to right. shut the whole place down. And it was like Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali mm-hmm. and Michael Jordan. Right. Yeah, and and just, he was just complimenting Jordan on, I don't think people really realize like now because of the access that people have, like you want to find out what LeBron did today. You, can go on Instagram on his story. He might let you know a little bit. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Whereas like to have Jordan go through that and and they talked was cool. I never thought of it was the younger interviews that he had. Mm-hmm. And then when by the end, towards the end of his career, just how much more confident he was and how more established he was to be able to take all that on. And yeah, that was a, that was a great, I can't wait. I'm going to at some point this summer watch them all again, but oh, yeah. uh yeah, the fan brought so many of us back. Was, was so different, right? And how it, oh. uh, came to fruition like back then you couldn't access them on social media so you had to go track them down or go see them and when you could it was a craziness because you, you don't get to see them all the time it's it's totally. unreal yeah but you can also think i think he stayed out of a lot of some trouble uh not having the whole social media thing from the sounds of it a lot of those uh <laughs> some of those epic stories and that had they had social media i think you know, those guys would have been in a lot more trouble than they, than they think. Yeah, though, definitely there's the goods and the bads, That's absolutely. Right. <laughs> Which is impressive why LeBron's, you know, stayed, uh, you know, out of all trouble, all the pressures and all the influences he may or may not or could have. I mean, that guy, you give these guys a lot of credit nowadays. If they're staying out of, you know, out of trouble, then that's, you know, that's that's a legit uh, effort and a legit accomplishment. Yeah, because you know people are trying to dig, right? They'll oh, do yeah. anything they can to expose these guys. And, you know, whatever you think about him as a player, you can't say much bad about him as a person. Yeah, he's stayed on a pretty clear path. So. Yeah. And, he's, and he, you know, the whole argument about how much he's doing socially versus Jordan mm-hmm. not doing it back then. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that's a great point too. But I think back then it was, a, you know, kind of a different expectations on the athletes and their social influence and their social involvement. And like Jordan said in that last dance, you know, he didn't feel like he was a, you know, a social influencer politically or a political influencer. So he kind of stated out of it. But I think as time has gone on, the athletes, um, you know, almost, uh, you know, it's not their fault. And I don't know if it's the right position to even put them in, but you know, right. they're expected to have opinions and to make change and, and do all that. So 
At times yeah. I think it's a lot to ask, but I think most of them are doing amazing jobs. Yeah, totally. Different platforms and right. good to see them step into that. Cool, man. Just a few more questions. The most important person in your life has been? Yeah, I've always said it's been my parents. I think that, um, you know, they were my first teachers and coaches, you know, bringing you up, uh, showing you the right way and the wrong way to do things. And then I was fortunate enough to have uh, my dad as um, one of my high school coaches. Uh, he coached me in elementary school as well and, and did some of the rep AAU stuff uh, growing up. So I've always thought, um, you know, when I break it down and kind of think wholeheartedly, then, uh, you know, he, he's him and my mom have been the most uh, concrete, stable people that, that I could ask for. And have always been there for me and really showed me the way and supported me no matter what my decisions were, as long as I was working hard and trying to be the best I could be. Absolutely. It's funny. It's like, you know, it varies and there's no right or wrong answer here, but like some people say maybe their spouse, right? Yeah. And then it's like, I always think like, well, yeah, right now, but if my parents weren't my foundation to help me, maybe I wouldn't have picked that spouse or, you know what I mean? Been oh, able yeah. to even oh, have yeah. the spouse that I do, right? Yeah. So if you bring it back to the, you know, the initial building block, the foundation, you know, that they got to be your parents and that's why they're so important. And I think, you know, you and I would both agree as coaches you know, we can fill, help fill those roles as well when kids may be missing that role or, um, you know, or in different situations. So um, it's definitely important. And I think both as coaches and parents, we can fill in and do kind of double duty for more than just our own. Awesome. Steve Meg is ho hosting a birthday party and it's all you can eat chips, but you're only allowed one kind. <laughs> what, chips are, what chips are at that party? Oh, Miss Vicky's salt and vinegar. Gotta love it. Gotta love like it. Like I just... I, I, we might have to contact Miss Vicky's as a sponsor because I think uh, you should. I've heard it from more than I, one uh, one person yeah. on the show, and I think that I think there's some legitimacy to this. I mean, maybe we're giving no, too is, much credibility here. Is this like Miss Vicky's go with like ice water? They go with a cold beer, and they go with an iced tea as well. Or are you just like uh, what is it? Yeah, like for me, it's just the tanginess. I, yeah, I, it, I, yeah. It's, for me, it's the crunch. Bit of the ah. crunch, you know, I'm always into the tang, but uh, mm -hmm. I think that what separates Miss Vicky's from the Lay's or the, you know, the other brands is the crunch. I'm all, <laughs> I'm all for that. I'm all for the Vicky's crunch. Yeah. There's a couple of Miss Vicky's flavors that I'm completely on board with. I'll, I'll, Give me another one. Give me I'll, another one to try. The sweet chili. Okay. Uh, like and sour cream. The blue, the blue one. Okay. Oh, murder it's game over okay and then right um there's a green there's a green bag it's like harvest cheddar okay <laughs> jeez you're gonna have I'm to telling go on you. one of those uh burnaby hikes if you're gonna be testing these uh miss vicky bags out you gotta burn off or <laughs> what is how do i burn it off then put it on that's baby it. right that's just it. i'm just trying to break even for the rest of my life <laughs> i don't okay. have to make a set of lines under 30 anymore. <laughs> that's okay <laughs> Um, and then last question before, before you, uh, you go, if you could do it all again, you would. Yeah. I, I think if I could, if I could do it all uh, again, I would. And that's my answer. I think mm. I would, uh, you know, I think even the mistakes you make help uh, build you stronger and build you into the person that you are, the decisions that you might've changed your way along that way, you know, helps you learn things that you otherwise wouldn't have learned. And I think looking back, I've been very fortunate to, uh, play with so many guys, being coached by so many uh, coaches, and I appreciate uh, every experience 
and every learning opportunity with, with each one of them. And I think as you get older, you kind of appreciate it even more. So I think even, you know, the good, the bad, the wins, the losses, they all kind of uh, point you in the direction that you're headed. And I think with sport and education and good people around you and great experiences that, um, you know, you take the good with the bad and the bad with the good, but you keep on plugging away and it builds resilience and, uh, and a good work ethic. And, you know, when it's all said and done, you just got to be good to people. And I think, um, that's the most important lesson we could, uh, share for people. Yeah, no, I, that's great. I appreciate that, that, uh, perspective. And when I talk to my leadership class too, they, I trying to get them to stop thinking of the word like regret, right? Mm-hmm. Like don't have a regret. It's just a learning experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you can regret it if you continue to make that same mistake over and over and you don't have any growth after that, but we've all, none of us have got to this point and it's been perfect. We've all had obstacles, whether it's a torn ACL, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, having some mental health issues and not feeling comfortable and moving back home and then tr- trying to work through that. Like we all have our own little story. It's just a matter of learning and growing from that. So that's a huge thing and a great takeaway. And I know the kids that you coach probably get an amazing message on a daily basis. Also, if the ball gets rolled out, they got, they better be ready because I'm sure you can still hoop. So <laughs> that's it. Tough to stay in front of yeah, yeah, no, no east to west and no cardio, <laughs> just straight stand, still shooting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's one on one, it's like first to three in its possession, and now I get first ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You got to make your first. We start when I make my first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we really appreciate you being on. Super pumped. First, uh, first Ontario guest we've had. You know, kind of moving. Uh, we had Blaine from Edmonton, but uh, you know, we're moving even further. And I think your story is a very unique one why I wanted to get you on and always valued who you are as a person and your hard work and, and being able to watch you up at SFU that year and then follow your, your path while I was playing as well. And um, we do appreciate your time. So before you go, if there's any kind of shout outs or, you know, we want to talk a little bit about mega basketball and what that means to you a little more, or if not be on your way and, and we wish you well. Yeah. Just give a shout out for more um, talk about mega basketball. We're just doing some, summer camps and March break camps and a lot of skill workouts for various organizations um, around the area right now with the whole COVID thing going on. We're just trying to start some small group and individual trainings and an outdoor court. So we're happy uh, doing that. I think the parents and the kids are happy to be back at it, playing some sports, having some structure in their life. Cause you know, here in Ontario, we've been out of school since March 13th and uh, you know, things have been shut down quite uh, heavily. So we're happy to be somewhat heading back to normalcy, but I think everybody's got to, you know, stay safe and do the things. Um, just want to give a shout out to everybody who's uh, listening. I think uh, this is a great venture that you guys are doing. Um, so many great stories here in Canada that I think uh, are important for uh, our kids to, to hear and listen to appreciate. And uh, I just want to congratulate you guys and uh, wish you well and continued success on, uh, on this uh, initiative. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Um, hopefully maybe there'll be a time where we can have you as a re-guest on like our thousands show or something that would be amazing if corbin isn't fed up with me by then (laughs) (laughs) it's been a fun thing and it's been cool and been you know really working for me on my own listening skills and just kind of hearing people's stories is awesome because you know like i've mentioned before it's just we don't talk about ourselves a lot and this is a platform where it's just an open conversation and i appreciate you being vulnerable and maybe saying a few things and sharing some stories that maybe you didn't think you were going to Mm -hmm. but felt it appropriate because maybe it'll change one person's life or maybe it'll someone will hear that and it'll impact them and, and that's important so don't overlook that and we appreciate you and I'm and I'm glad we stayed in touch via social media was one of the good things over that and um, 
And I know, you know, there'll be some BC boys out here from some SFU that'll be checking it out and listening. And uh, we appreciate you, man. And we wish you nothing but success. And next time you make it out West, you know, you know where to find us. And, uh, and we wish you a great summer, a restful summer. And who knows what uh, September is going to look like, but I know you will do a great job and, and put the kids first. Yeah, appreciate it. Always great to talk with you. Right on, man. That's it for uh, Hoops Journey. Shout out to our uh, sponsor, Good Lad Clothing. Everyone take care of each other. And like uh, like Coach Mega said, you know, the boundaries are spreading a little bit, but let's stay together. Let's do what we're supposed to do. And um, then we can get back to uh, normal life even faster. Be well and take care of each other. Mm-hmm.